Kevin Love's got a new contract. Danny Green sheds new light on the Kawhi move. Who are the players in the East, and which player do you wish was back with his former team? Lots to get to now on Locked On NBA. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Wednesday edition of the Locked On NBA podcast. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for helping us get you over the hump. We're going to help you get through this Wednesday. I am John Corrales, Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. You can find my work on Boston.com, RedsArmy.com. I'm also the co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. My normal co-host, Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans, not here tonight, so I had to go search for a new co-host for a one-night-only appearance, and I think i got a great one here. You know her as Damian Trillard on Twitter, Sirat Sohi of SB Nation. Welcome to the Lockdown NBA Podcast. Thanks for having me. So, for those people who don't know you for some reason, why don't you give us a little <laughs> bit about your background? Where can we find your stuff? Yeah, uh, I am on Twitter, uh, Damian Triller. That's probably how anybody who doesn't know me would perhaps be able to recognize me. And I'm One of the best pro- Twitter handles, by the way. Thank I you. I, I appreciate that. It is also not long for the world. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to eventually professionalize. I think it's kind of, we've really reached a borderline point where I, I'm really scared that I'm going to get an assignment to, to go to Portland or something, or somebody's going to say like, oh, like the Blazers are in town and I'm going to have to talk to Dame and that's going to be my handle. It just, it just feels kind of weird. Like when I was, when I wasn't covering an NBA, an NBA team and actually reporting, it felt fine. But now it's just like, there, it's just a little bit awkward, you know, like. What if, what if, let's say, I was interviewing him and, like, I don't I think, know why he would ever ask. I don't think a player has ever asked, but even, I like, interacting with certain staff. I think you could just go up and say, hey, by the way, I'm Damian Trillard on Twitter. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, shit, that's you? Man, I've been following you since day one. Yeah, see? That'd be, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you're saying, so you work, so you work now at SB Nation, but you've, you've done things for a lot of major outlets. Yeah, yeah. I freelanced for a while at a lot of different places. He said I actually freelanced at SB Nation before I wrote there. For for most of this season, I was freelancing usually at the athletic, fan-sided, and then just a little bit of pieces here or there for places like Vice and Bleacher Report and Rolling Stone. Yeah. Oh, just a couple of places, you know, Rolling Stone. (laughs) Huh. Uh, All right. Well, it's great to have you on. I'm glad that you uh, had a few minutes to... Join the podcast tonight. Why don't we dive into the two big stories of the day. First, the uh, Kevin Love extension, which kind of came out of nowhere. Kevin Love uh, got a deal from the Cavaliers, uh, four years, $120 million. Interesting the way it's it's structured. He gets basically $29 million, then two straight years of $31 million, no raises, and then it dips to $29 million again. It's kind of like a mirror image the first two years. You kind of fold them over. Uh, so, Sarah, the, the first thing is it just appears that the, the Cavaliers are not going to fade into that good night and rebuild and sell off all their pieces. They are trying to make the playoffs again. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, they actually, the thing that I remember first was that they made everybody who wanted season tickets renew them early. So I'm happy that because they pulled that kind of, 
I don't know. I don't really like that move because it's kind of like we all, I guess, I guess most people who were there to see LeBron wouldn't have bought those tickets. But I, I that just kind of struck me, struck me as a not very uh, kosher thing to do. So at least, at least they're trying to do right by those people. Uh, and I also felt like it was, it was almost like two sides kind of coming to terms with who they are. Like Kevin was like, okay, like I need some job security and this place will actually want me and I won't be, I, like, I, I won't be going to a playoff team where all they do is hate me because I can't play, can't play defense and switch onto guards. Like, it'll be like a little bit of a lower consequence sort of thing for him. And I think that's after what he's been through for the past few years. <laughs> <laughs> I feel weird saying that. I feel like everybody's been saying that. Oh, like, Kevin Love deserves some peace, you know? I was like, oh, like, you know, I imagine playing with LeBron is hard. Um, and obviously, you know, he, he had, uh, he had a tough time that he, that he uh, detailed for uh, for the Players' Tribune. So there is actually uh, there is actually obviously like a lot a lot that goes into it. So from that perspective, it does make sense. And uh, you know, I'm happy for Kevin Love that he was able to first of all secure the bag, and uh, second of all, you know, just have have a little bit of security because let's face it, that contract is not going anywhere for a long time. So yep, that's true. That's, uh, <laughs> That one's, uh, you know, after after all this speculation that he might be on the trade block, that is all, all gone. And then on the Cavs side, I think the combination of competency and market kind of probably made him think, hey, this is probably the best bet that we can make. And hey, Colin Sexton was one of the best players at summer league. That doesn't always mean a lot, but that could be kind of just a fun little pick and roll, pick and pop duo to watch as maybe they can. Maybe they can sneak in there. I don't personally see it happening, to be honest. But I guess they, they you know, they've they've got a shot at it. At least they've got something to play for. Sure. Look, in the East, there they are at least in the mix at the bottom of of the standings. You know, some combination of, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Boston, Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee is going to be the top four. You can throw Indiana and Washington in that next tier, maybe Miami, but then it's, it's very wide open. So that seventh, eighth spot, I think is, is potentially available for Cleveland and who knows? Maybe they strike some sort of gold here and you, you recapture some of the Minnesota Kevin Love that, you know, look, you, you, you mentioned it. There's a trade-off for, you know, you play with LeBron, you get to ride the, best coattails around to the finals and a championship. But at the same time, it's very, very difficult to play with him when you are a once all-star. And also, you know, it's it's not like he's he has been an all-star in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he sucks, but, you know, you give up a lot. And, and he had been asked to give up the most in Cleveland. So if he comes back somehow and and recapture some of that Minnesota glory, you've got an all-star caliber player, an all-star maybe starting caliber player in Cleveland. So it's not out of the question for them to get the seventh or maybe even the sixth seed. And, And who knows, maybe they get lucky. Personally, I think the point that you made about the season tickets was great because I think this is a chance for Dan Gilbert to kind of be like, I'm going to start making a little bit more money now and, Get some of that playoff gate and kind of maybe try to 
outdo LeBron somehow. Like mm-hmm. LeBron's out in LA. He's going to struggle a little bit with that crazy team that they've put together. If we get further than LeBron, I can like turn to my, my fans and be like, Hey, see, we're cool. We're fine. <laughs> and Dan Gilbert also strikes me as a type of person. Well, I think almost every, every billionaire that decides to become an NBA owner is probably this type of person because there's no other reason that you would do it than if like you guess you could really, really like sports and, to be fair, there are some owners that aren't really in the picture, but it, but an owner that is that controlling and in the picture, usually you own a, a team because you really want to be famous and loved. And uh, Dan Gilbert is famous. Yeah, <laughs> let's just stop right there <laughs> yeah. with the second part of that. Right. So, you know, I think he probably just wants to prove that, hey, look, I can do this. LeBron is, uh, isn't the only reason that this franchise has been able to have success and we can prove that we can sustain something without him. I, I don't necessarily know how true that is, but like you said, the East is wide open. The other thing is, man, I don't know. Like after watching Dwight's press conference yesterday, I think the Wizards might miss the playoffs. So like, there you got you, you such really... an interesting take that you had there because I listened to the Lockdown Wizards podcast after that, and they were just all on board. I'm. I'm with you, I'm more with you than I am with them, unfortunately. Sorry, Lockdown Wizards podcast, but um, just shout out to them. Go check them out so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, uh, but I'm notably anti-Dwight. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like the Lockdown Wizards podcast. I've listened to it a couple times in the season. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with their analysis. I just think that they're in uh, the situation that a lot of Apparently a lot of uh, teams are, fans of teams are finding themselves in where they have to talk themselves into Dwight Howard. <laughs> and I can see, I can see myself doing it as well. If I, you know, if, if, uh, if such a thing were to happen to me, luckily it has not. That's, I just love the phraseology. Like, I have to talk myself into it if it ever happened to me. Like it's thrust upon you. That, like, <laughs> right. All right. Well, you pinch your nose and take your medicine. It really is one of those things where as a fan, you know it's going to be a disaster, but just because of the potential and the implications of what if Dwight is actually good, you kind of just, it's, it's like the rules of fandom. You just, you just have to suspend disbelief for a little while and decide, okay, like maybe, hey, maybe this can work. <laughs> so back to the, the, the Cavs, uh, it's hard to project out what they're going to be. Uh, we don't know what, um, what the rest of their team is going to be. We don't know if, if they're going to bring back Rodney Hood. What can he develop into? He was such trash in the playoffs, but he theoretically is good, uh, which is, I think, the most backhanded compliment you can give a player. In theory, this player is good. <laughs> like, and that's like the favorite thing for people to say about Rodney Hood. Like, you, everything about Rodney Hood lines up. You're like, that, this guy should be good. And then you look at him, you're like, God, he's, he, that playoff run was just the worst. When Rodney Hood was on the floor against the Celtics, I was like, yes, awesome. It was that bad. But, you know, love George Hill. George Hill, another guy, theoretically can be good. Uh, J.R. Smith, if he gets himself back on track, who knows what they're going to do with Corver if they're going to trade him. Sexton as a rookie, again, you said it, he showed promise in summer league. He looks like he can be a decent player. They have guys, that, and, and if Kevin Love becomes somewhat near Minnesota Kevin Love. He could carry them. He could he could raise up people's games and and they could they could be okay. So so we'll see how that goes. Uh one other thing here we got to get to real quick is the Danny Green uh groin injury which he revealed on his new podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Uh Danny Green's inside 
Yeah, They're right. For you. Seriously, man, I, I gotta <laughs> fend off this competition. It's called Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. First of all, come up with a more original name, Danny. But anyway, he revealed in that podcast that he had a groin injury suffered against the Celtics that turned out to be a tear that he never got a second opinion on. And everybody's reaction was, oh my God, the Spurs medical staff missed this. If they miss this, then maybe they could have missed uh, the Kawhi injury, and maybe that's why Kawhi was so you know gung ho about the second opinion. I'm not ready to make that two plus two leap yet, but it doesn't look great for the Spurs medical staff. It doesn't, but at the same time, I feel like it's been taken out of context a little bit because, like, if you listen to it, I think first of all, Danny is pretty complimentary of the Spurs staff and. He also doesn't really say anything about, like, what, he, he essentially says that he wanted to, or his agent was saying that he should get a second opinion. It was something that they kind of talked about, but because he felt that he trusted the Spurs, that he didn't need to get one. Uh, to me, that sounds a little bit more like it was his call. Maybe, maybe I'm not reading in between the lines enough, but I mean, he was on the po- on a podcast. It feels like he probably just would be, would be telling uh, telling the actual truth. I don't really know what he would get out of just, like, telling this half story. But it kind of just felt like he just didn't get the second opinion. And he also added that, you know, like, a lot of teams just don't have specific specialists for every different injury. So it makes a lot of sense to get a second opinion in that regard. I think, A, that should uh, that should make everybody calm down about the fact that Kawhi wanted second opinions on things. Because I mean, it's it's really cl- clearly a standard thing, especially if you uh, if you have a major injury. That said, I don't really think it should uh, it should reflect too poorly on the Spurs, unless for some reason they were trying to get him to not do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. They it's not like they said no, don't go go out there and play. I think Danny Green, like most players, and this is this is why I think an outside element like the agent should have been very insistent be like, look, yeah. I know you want to play. Every player wants to play. You go out there. It doesn't matter. Your leg could be hanging off. Most players want to go out there and just play. So there has to be some kind of trust. Like the agent has to be like, look, dude, just go get the second opinion. doesn't hurt you to go get the second opinion. It could only help. Because if it's a right. tear, then he should have sat out longer. And now look. People were were kind of getting on Danny Green for not performing up to his standards, and yeah. injury could have played into that. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I mean, Danny Green hasn't always been the most skybound player, but the the drop off was was pretty staggering, honestly. Yeah. So, like that really does explain a lot, and hopefully he makes a full recovery. As somebody in Toronto, that is that is definitely my hope. <laughs> yes. I'm sure that you're you're hoping for Danny Green to be at full speed when he goes to play uh, in Toronto. Uh, I, I I agree with you that this does not seem to be the indictment that most people are are making it out to be on Twitter. It doesn't look great for the Spurs medical staff, mm-hmm. but I think your point is is very good that uh, if you look at who the team doctor is, like there's a team doctor. It's usually an orthopedic guy um, or Somebody, they, they may not have certain levels of expertise, or maybe mm-hmm. they just don't see things. Like, doctors have 
their own biases. You know, like they, they have their, like I've determined it's this. And once you determine something, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so getting a second opinion, a fresh set of eyes is, is not bad. That's why in scientific studies, things have to be peer reviewed that you have to go and get a fresh set of eyes on whatever your findings are just to make sure that those eyes can see the same thing. So I think I'm, I'm a big believer in these second opinions, but uh, mm-hmm. it does at the very least shed light on Kawhi Leonard and why Kawhi and, and guys, when, when you as fans hear a guy say, I need to get a second opinion. It's not necessarily an indictment of the medical staff. I think it's good to get the second opinion. It's good to get the, um, that, that next fresh set of eyes on your injury. It can only help because you want it to be accurate. So, Let's, uh, if you are looking for deeper analysis of all of this stuff, Locked On Cavs is going to have all of the reaction, local expert reaction to the Kevin Love signing. Go to Locked On Raptors, go to Locked On Spurs. Both of them are going to be reacting to Danny Green, especially Locked On Spurs because, you know, that's their medical staff. So again, local reaction. Every team has a Locked On NBA podcast. So when news breaks like this, Go to that team's Locked On NBA podcast, and they will have all of the local, just microscopic reaction that you may not think of because they cover their team on a daily basis. Okay, you are in Toronto. I am a Boston guy, and we... Have to duel, apparently. That's usually what that means. That's what that means. (laughs) So... Let's get your reaction just being in Toronto. Uh, you got Danny Green, who presumably will be healthy. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, who just as we record this, it's been announced that he has passed his physical and the trade will be made official. So theoretically, both guys are going to be there. They're going to be healthy and they're going to play basketball. How much better does that make the Raptors, in your opinion? Does that put them at... Uh, ahead of Boston, with Boston, behind Boston? I think they're still behind Boston, but I think they're significantly better than they were, not just because of Kawhi, but because of uh, of Danny Green. I mean, the Raptors were starting OG Anunoby at the uh, at the small forward position for a while. Like, it was kind of just a revolving door of do we want defense, do we want shooting and put in C.J. Miles, or do we want to give Norm Powell a chance is pretty much still supposed to be the small forward of the future, but really, really had a, had an off year in almost really almost every regard, except for, except for his defense later on in the, a little bit in the playoffs, like, I guess, I mean, like he just, he kind of, he regressed in almost, almost every area. So just having a small forward that you know is going to be your starter, even a Danny green that is, that is last year's Danny Green would uh, would be a good starter for for the Raptors, and then obviously there's Kawhi Leonard who is better at Demar Derozan than at actually everything. <laughs> like there's not there's not a single thing that Demar is better at other than maybe maybe dunking. Maybe he has one or two more. Post counters, I guess, but Kawhi's a great post player and he's a great mid-range shooter and he's also a great shooter and a creator who has two inches, I think, on, 
on uh, on Demar and obviously a much bigger wingspan and bigger hands and can is by the way like the best perimeter defender in the NBA when he's healthy, which is a huge problem for Demar. Like he would just really die on every screen. And he he against the Cavs because of his inability to play off the ball and because every time every time he was off the ball, they just wouldn't really guard him. Became unplayable when you factor in the fact that he that he isn't a strong defensive player by any means. So. All in all, on the court, this is an absolute upgrade for for the Raptors. They've got better at two positions, one position very significantly. I think they now have the best player in the East, and uh, they have a ton of defensive potential, and I think they actually finally found the one thing that pretty much since the run started has plagued them in that they couldn't find a way to put offense and defense together with their personnel. They would tie it together in the regular season. They would, you know... They would, this season, for example, they started moving the ball around more and they emphasized shooting in practices and a lot of guys improved, but ultimately there weren't any natural shooters like the type other than really CJ Miles or, or Kyle Lowry and that really, really showed later down the stretch. And on the other end, you know, you can hide certain guys, you can, you can try a bunch of things, but at the end of the day, all those things get scouted out, and it really turns into what your personnel is able to do by the time the playoffs roll around. And they finally really have two-way starting personnel, and I think that's going to be huge for them. I think they can they can switch, they can be a little bit big, they can they can do a lot of creative things on the defensive end while maintaining most of their offense. And you probably expect a jump from some of like you, you never really want to expect a jump from all of the young guys. That's just I think. I think you're playing bad odds there, but you should expect somewhat of a jump because these are guys that are still on the upswing. So I think they will be significantly better this season. They're still not better than Celtics, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, uh, this is this is bad dueling because I agree with everything that you just said. This, so, what, I, this is what I told you before. Like, I, I, I would, I, I'm gonna lay down easy to any argument <laughs> that the Celtics are better. You know, they, they just clearly are. So, <laughs> I, I, I think when you look at, it's gonna be such an interesting matchup. Obviously, Kawhi, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that you, Kawhi still has to prove that he's healthy enough. I'm gonna still put Giannis ahead of him as, as the best player in the East at this point, but, I think Kawhi is obviously like right there, and if he's old Kawhi, then yeah, yeah, he's better. So uh, I think the Celtics starters are going to be better as an uh, overall starting five than the the Raptors starters. Co- uh, Kyrie Irving, I just drew a complete blank. Kyrie- <laughs> That's his name. It's pretty good. There you go. Kyrie <laughs> Irving. I, I have uh, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum. Uh, Jalen Brown and Al Horford. That is, I think, you've got five guys that at some point over the next one, two, three years are all potential all-star players. I uh, mean, let's really, like, like let's, let's ask a question here. Could four all-stars make the playoff? Could four of the Celtics make the, make the all-star game? This totally, year? totally. I think uh, it's totally possible. I think, I think that, um, Kyrie definitely can make it. Gordon Hayward, I'm bullish on on Gordon Hayward. I think he's just gonna. I, I'm I'm very much believe that he's gonna come back at a very high level. Jason Tatum is phenomenal. 
and I think he kind of kind of got lost in the shuffle in the rookie of the year. I know he finished third, but you know it just became such a Ben Simmons versus Donovan Mitchell thing that people. I know that Tatum was an obvious third, but mm-hmm. he, he's he's not that far behind those guys. Uh, and then Jalen Brown is is playing is going to be playing at a high level. Al Horford. I think the only reason why you can't get you might not get four is that. Horford, I think, will be very willing to sacrifice a lot of his own personal statistics to be a facilitator, and I, I think he's mm-hmm. going to see the ability for Kyrie, for Hayward, and Tatum to be the top three scorers for the, for the, the team. That he's just very willing to just pick and pop and take the threes that become available to you know drive against closeouts and, and you know dunk and catch some alley oops here and there. Mm-hmm. His he might statistically take a, a tiny step backwards, but as far as importance to this team, be equally or even more important just because of what he opens up by being a stretch five for four guys who can all drive, who can all finish at the rim uh, to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think, I think the Celtics starting five is going to be phenomenal. I've been saying that they might be the second best starting five in the NBA behind Golden State. So that's my take. That's, that's, yeah, that's my hot take. Well, I mean. That's a fairly reasonable take. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe you might put Houston, you might argue Houston, but. I would like just because of like their, their star power at the top and bringing Capella back, I'd probably put them ahead of, of the Celtics, but. It's a reasonable argument for sure. Sure. I mean, at the worst, at the worst, they're, they're in the top five, probably top three. I'm going to say two, but of course I'm coming at it from a Boston perspective. So, uh, but I I agree with you when it comes to Toronto. Kawhi changes a a ton. What were the weaknesses for the Raptors last year? Shooting and, you know, the defense down the stretch. You've, you've and fixed. being proven in the playoffs as yep. well. Like this is totally. a finals MVP. Absolutely. This is a guy that can, can dominate against, against teams when the, when the defense is, is loaded up on them. And that's something that Kyle and, uh, and DeMar both haven't, ha- haven't been able to do. I also have to add, it kind of made me laugh when you said that Horford would, uh, would have to, would p- potentially be taking a statistical dip. I just like sort of thinking like, poor guy, like he's already only scoring 12 points per game. <laughs> I, know, <right? laughs> you know? I know. Like I don't know how much, how much farther can it really fall, but I know, but I well, think you're right though. And I, and I also, I, I do have to kind of take, uh, take back what I, what I said about the four all-stars because the way I was looking at it was because Horford was an all-star this year, but realistically, like that was more of a, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I think Horford's great, and I think he deserves recognition. And uh, like, if if the ballot was my own judgment of who was a good basketball player that I would want to have on the floor, I'd pick Al Horford. But with the way that these awards usually go, I think it just went to him because of representation. Yeah, no, I I get that. I get that. I mean, at the beginning of the year, he was playing at a very high, high level. So I think after. Hayward went down last year. He stepped up his game very at the first part of the season. He very much was uh, playing at an all-star level. And he was the best defensive player on the best defensive team through a significant portion of of the NBA season. So, but yeah, right. I, I, I'm I, with I get you. it. I, get I just it. I just think that like, you know, the way that this stuff goes Sometimes they don't look at that and they just do, oh, this guy is averaging a double-double. We'll put him right. in the All-Star game. Right. At the All-Star, at the All-Star <laughs> break, they said the Celtics are the top 
team in the East. You can't only have one all-star and Al Horford yeah. kind of deserves it. I, I can totally see some of that because statistically, I, I saw it on Twitter. I saw people kind of complaining on Twitter saying, like, oh, what's this guy looking at his stati- – Charles Barkley was saying it. Like, come on. But anyway. I saw Boston Sports first. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. Or maybe it was in a column. It was somebody. I didn't know who it was. But they wrote that it sucks that the Celtics couldn't get out of Al Horford's max contract. Otherwise – they would have so much more potential. I was like, ah, yes. Yeah, I I know <laughs> what you're talking about. I forget who wrote it. Um, that kind of made the uh, the rounds on on Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely blew up a little bit. Probably that, more than what how people actually think of yeah. for There's probably that proportion that probably wasn't proportionate to the amount of people who actually believe that about well, them. For anybody who's listening on the national level, because I know this is the lockdown NBA. You really have to go back and check out some of the old Locked On Celtics podcasts, or even if you follow me on Twitter. I mean, geez, I had some really ridiculous debates of people saying that Al Horford basically sucked, and it was it was an ongoing thing last year. I spent way too much emotional energy debating the how good Al Horford was. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not that surprising. Like mm-hmm. from the outside, uh, you can sit there and be like, Oh, I can't believe that this made it, became a thing. Like I'm not shocked that that became a thing because there's a significant minority in the, in the Celtics fandom that thinks that Al Horford is so grossly overpaid and he's not that great. And I just can't fathom that take. But anyway, do you think they would do Jonas for Horford? No. What? I mean, listen, Jonas is, Jonas could average a double-double next year. He's a seven-footer. He can, he, he is a great offensive game. I think they, I think they would take to him. I think I should take it to them. No. I'm happy with Al Horford. I think Al <laughs> Horford is, um, I, nice try. I well, commend the effort. Shoot, shoot. Uh, but, um, I think I'm, I'm a big Al Horford guy. I think Al Horford is one of the smartest players in the game. He just knows he can read the, the angles. He sets picks like just beautifully. And I know everybody might say, people might say, Oh, moving picks. Well, everybody sets moving picks, but he, he just reads things very well. He's one of the best passers. I think when things go just completely south, you can throw it to him in the post and just run the offense through Al Horford in the post and be mm-hmm. completely fine. I just, I love his feel for the game and just his intelligence. He's, he's really one of my favorite players. He has been one of my favorite players. And to have a guy morph into what he's become to add that three-pointer to his game and have it be so effective when for a guy who never took threes at the beginning of his career to now a guy who takes so many threes and hits them at a very high level it's just phenomenal and of course like i said he was he, he's the anchor of a a very high-end defense they are so much better with him on the floor defensively he he does such a great job i like i just i am not Going anywhere with Al Horford. So I think in this Toronto Celtics matchup, you've got the best player in mm-hmm. the series. Like if it's, if, would you expect Toronto Boston conference finals? I think so. I think so at this point. You think I think Philly, both, both teams are so playoff built at this point now. Yeah. After the trade, it just, it's, uh, 
they have all of the traits that teams that make it through have. Obviously, I mean, seeding is going to be a thing, too. Like, you never know. Like, they could end up meeting in the second round instead. So that's always a possibility. But, yeah, I do think that – I think before the trade, I would have put Philly ahead of, of the Raptors. But after it, I think I do have to give them a slight edge. Okay. I, I think that's fair. I, th- I think it is Boston – Boston, Toronto. As I've, I, I started to say, like Toronto, uh, Philly was kind of right there with Toronto, and then you know, as I just kept on looking at it, it's just like no, that they just really they have a lot of. I think they ran into a little bit of luck last year, especially down the stretch, and I think certain players. I mean, just I, I think I think their whole thing really. Uh, of course, they're going to improve because they are young, but I think a lot of it for them rests on how much Sarge is able to improve. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I think that win streak that they went on last year was, I think it kind of overblew the progress that they were making because they just, that schedule at the end of Philly yeah, season they blew last the year was just. doors off really bad teams right, for the most part. Right. They, that was just tailor made. And look, they, to their credit, they, they, they won the playoff series. They, they, but whatever. I, I, I do agree. And they didn't really improve tremendously this offseason, whereas Toronto tr- did improve tremendously and mm-hmm. they addressed their two basically most glaring issues. Uh, and they traded DeMar DeRozan an all-star and upgraded DeMar DeRozan an all-star. So that's, that's significant as well. So we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, you know, look, the Celtics had a terrible injury history. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Toronto's bench is phenomenal. One of the best in the league, I think. You know, when you have Serge Ibaka and Valanciunas, like, Valanciunas is a good player, Ibaka, you know, whatever. I, I just think those those two guys kind of drop the starting lineup below Boston's. But that bench, that mm-hmm. Toronto bench is going to be a significant, uh, have a significant impact. You know, Siakam, Mananobi, uh, Miles, Van Vliet, they've got, they've got enough guys, enough talent that in a, in a seven-game series, full health, it's going to be very interesting. Toronto against Boston. I think the consensus is it's going to be Toronto against Boston. So yeah, I'm actually I'm really hoping that Nick Nurse ends up being a good coach because I think that if he can if he can even approximate Brad Stevens' in-game adjustments, it's just going to be the most fascinating series with how much both teams are able to do different things and throw different looks at uh uh, guys, like, it's just, I think for basketball nerds, I think it's just gonna be a fantastic series. I think it's actually gonna be one of those series that has an appeal for both sides, because there's gonna be a reasonable level of star power, uh, pretty big markets, and I think, just, I think, I think people just like, like watching the Celtics. I think, like, you know, a lot of people grew up with that, and just, you know, when you flip a game on, it's, it's got the TD guard, and there's just like a certain vibe to it. Like, I think it'll draw in, casual fans and also just be great for people like us that like to watch like watch to see if OG Anunoby can can switch onto Kyrie Irving for three possessions. Yeah. No, that that's that's great. And and the Nick Nurse point is a, an excellent point to bring up because we don't know we don't know what that's going to be. Um by all accounts he's he's good and prepared but we don't know. We don't know how that's going to turn out, and it may take it may take a, an extra year for him to kind of figure out those in-game adjustments. It's going to be hard for a rookie head coach to kind of, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll just see how he handles those situations. So uh, may, maybe that's what it's going to take for maybe that's the Celtics' edge 
it's Stevens over over Nurse, but we'll we'll see. Uh, a reminder that the Locked On NBA podcast, five days a week, you should subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, we're here still through the throes of this offseason. We're still going five days a week. So lots to talk about here. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Before we wrap up, we're going to have a little bit of fun here because we just talked about DeMar DeRozan going away. Um, and there was a story over this past week here that uh, Isaiah Thomas – called Danny Ainge before he signed with Denver that said, hey, if there's an opportunity for me to go back to Boston, I'd love to do it. And Danny Ainge was like, yeah, sure, I'll get back to you on that. But <laughs> uh, And we got to thinking here that it might be just kind of fun to just quickly kind of talk about which player do you wish was back on his former team? Uh, I, I was thinking, like I was going through the, the different guys in the league, that, you know, most of these guys, when they move on, like some people might say, "Oh, Durant, I want. Him. I wish he was on his former team just because I want the Warriors to be whatever." I my guy is uh, Zach Randolph back in Memphis because I just feel like that grit and grind needs like he's the face of grit and grind, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Fans kind of just, I think it would be fun for them to have him back just to, to play things out, just, just to finish things off in his, you know, in his career, just to get Zebo back in Memphis one more time would be great and fitting. I think that would be just kind of like the most fitting thing to happen. So that, that's my guy. If I could just go pluck a guy and be like, nope, you know, you're back on your former team. I want to put Zebo back on Memphis. Okay. Okay. And so I'm assuming that we can't just we can't just do places that people have been traded to because then it's like okay you got your assets that you traded for and then you get the guy back. Just pick a guy and just put pick him back guy? on his team. Okay. Just, right. just I think there's no rules. We're not playing by salary cap rules anymore. This okay. is just a, I wish a guy could be back on this team because it just feels right for him to be on his team. Okay. All right. I in that case I'm gonna go with Blake Griffin. I don't know that it makes too much basketball sense, although I'm sure he could uh, he could find a way to, to fit in and have Gallo fit out, or maybe Gallo will do that himself with, uh, with the amount of injuries he's been dealing with lately. Um, I just think that that's one of those trades that obviously worked really well for the Clippers. They got younger, they were able to retool and then add a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who is first of all Canadian, shout shout out to him just on account of that, and I would cheer <laughs> for him forever unless he turns into Andrew Wiggins, in which case you know you just got to cut the cord, I guess. But uh, oh, poor Andrew. I know, I know, it's sad. Uh, and yeah, like I think I think obviously it was a great trade for them, but Blake seems a miserable, and he just belongs in L.A. And he also he belongs in L.A. as a clipper because he is just like he's in the comedy scene he's kind of goofy he he fits that clippers vibe a lot more than he fits a showtime vibe i think obviously the fans the fans just loved him for resigning and when he was traded the reaction was actually kind of similar to what it was when demar got traded from from toronto i think you know a lot of fans were were pretty upset with it so i think those those people would probably be pretty happy, and I think it would just be a really fun team. I can go up and down the floor, 
can catch a few lobs, reignite Lob City a little bit, and also he just doesn't seem like uh, you know obvi- like that locker room wasn't great, but it also seemed like totally pressure packed. I think Blake on his own just doesn't really seem like too much of a locker room issue. He could potentially be a vet that uh, that helps bring in the new era when the time comes. That that's a, I think that's a great choice, and it just makes sense. You know, I, I just. Him as a piston. The pistons are weird. It's just weird. Anyway, it's just the whole thing is weird. <laughs> Everything about the pistons is weird right now. It's, you know, they, they've got a lot of work to do, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. That, that makes total sense. All right. Hey, look, if you guys have other choices, tweet them at me. I'm Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. Tweet them. It's Sarah, uh, Damian Triller. Just let us know. Give, give us a choice. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, I, I think, I think that's kind of a fun discussion, especially as we get to the end of July. And I know Clint Capella is still out there. Somebody give Clint Capella money, but we're, they're basically the off season's kind of almost done. Uh, this was a fun show. I, this was, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad you came on. I hope you enjoyed I'm it. I'm glad you had me. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. So, uh, you can follow Sierra, like I said, at Damien Trillard. She's now a staff writer at SB Nation. Uh, she does a lot of good work, so go follow her there. I am John Corrales, Reds Army underscore John, co-host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast as well. Find my stuff on Boston.com and RedsArmy.com. So, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time tomorrow. David Locke's got the next Locked On NBA podcast. Thanks for listening here on the Locked On Podcast Network.